Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Between 1908 and 1938, 130 young Anglo-Indians were sent to New Zealand. They were the mixed-race children of British tea planters and Indian women, raised in a Presbyterian mission school in northeast India and sent as workers to families all over New Zealand. Separated from their parents and their places of birth, the Kalimpong kids went on to blend into local communities and seldom spoke of their Indian heritage. My name is Jane McCabe, I'm a historian, and my grandmother was one of the Kalimpong immigrants. In this series, I'll be discussing the Kalimpong scheme and the journeys of many descendants to uncover their hidden family histories with my colleague Pauline Martins. Along the way, we'll be talking about some images from my new book, which brings together photographs from family collections all over New Zealand to tell an amazing visual story. The photographs we refer to are all available on the Otago Access Radio website. So Jane, in this episode we're going to consider the lives of the Kalimpong people in New Zealand, from their working lives to having families of their own. Many were reunited with siblings and a distinctive Kalimpong community formed in some of the main centres. It must have been a big transition for these young people coming to New Zealand in the early 20th century. Were there other Indian communities here at that time? Yes, that's a good question. So there were um, other Indian people here, um, but like uh, with Chinese people coming into New Zealand, this was causing a lot of anxiety in the early 20th century, uh, and particularly through the 1920s when it happens that a lot of Kalimpong people did come into New Zealand. So... John Graham had this plan of sending young people to settler colonies and right from the start that was hampered by the settler colonies tightening, tightening immigration restrictions on racial grounds. Now the good thing, or the thing that worked in John Graham's favour was that he uh, established a very strong um, Presbyterian network around New Zealand, uh, including in Wellington, where he had connections with quite important political figures. And so it seems that that really helped him to continue to get Kalimpong people into New Zealand, um, especially after 1920 when there was a new, um, a, what's called the permit system, uh, was enacted. It sounds like they were placed all over New Zealand then. That's right. So in the early phase, uh, um, between 1908 and 1920, they were all placed in Dunedin. Um, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, um, Graham had quite strong Presbyterian connections in Dunedin. Um, when his main supporter in Dunedin, uh, Reverend Ponder, died in 1920, there was a shift northwards to Wellington. But throughout the whole time of this scheme, from 1908 to 1938, there was always a concern to disperse these young people quite widely amongst smaller towns and rural communities so that they wouldn't have a visible presence. So there was always that concern that numbers were kept small and that they would be integrated into local communities uh, rather than um, forming clusters in particular places in New Zealand. 
We have a photo on the website of a group of women at Wilton's Bush in Wellington. What can you tell us about this photo? Yes, so this is great. This is a 1920s photo and, and there are lots of albums uh, that have been passed down through the Kalimpong families uh, of particularly the 1920s um, immigrants in New Zealand uh, socialising with others from Kalimpong. So this one is interesting because it shows five women, so these are all Kalimpong women. Now one of these is Nancy Dinning, she's at the centre. So um, in the last episode uh, we saw a photo of her as an infant in the bungalow. So here she is with her sister Margaret and several other Kalimpong women. So the women all worked as domestic helpers and nannies for New Zealand families, so that was the way of helping them to transition into the local community. But there was always a policy uh, with that employment that the Kalimpong women had Thursday afternoons off. And so that meant that they could get together with others from Kalimpong who were placed in the same uh, city or area that they were. So particularly for the women in the main centres like Dunedin and Wellington, this was a nice thing for them to be able to get together with others from Kalimpong. And as I say, they took lots of photos uh, and put those photos into albums and often gifted those albums to each other. Uh, and that's created a really nice record of their early experiences in New Zealand. But it must have been difficult then for them to meet other people to socialise more widely. Yes, indeed. So it's interesting to think about it, isn't it, in their situations that they're with families who know about their background because the families were all connected to John Graham. So the, the families that they're working for would know about their history, but then it's quite a big step to go out into the wider community. So they often had darker skin, so this would prompt questions about where they were from, um, or perhaps assumptions that they were part Māori. Uh, so this was uh, quite a difficult thing for them to manage, I think. And there were uh, a number of women who actually just stayed in domestic service for their whole lives. So this was really, there were really two options for Kalimpong women, it's, as the way it turned out was that they either stayed in domestic service or they married uh, a local and had families of their own and so that was a really important way for them to transition into the wider community um, but then you still have to think about how they how they met those men and how they met um, others in their local community. They assume they attended the local church? Yes absolutely yep so they had those Presbyterian connections so church would have been a really good way for them to meet people for sure. I suppose the same issues existed for men? Yes, so the same issues, but I think their situations were quite different. So the men were all placed as workers on farms. Now, the education at Kalimpong was actually of a very high standard. So for some of these men, they were very bright, very well educated. Um, they were quite refined often because they'd had these upbringings on the tea plantation where... Um, they were used to quite a privileged kind of life, actually. So then if you imagine them being placed on um, a big farm in rural Otago, for example, where they're just one of a group of labourers, so often that meant that they weren't living in a family home, they might have been placed with a farming family, but the reality was they were living in huts on a big farm with all sorts of other colonial labourers, uh, and they would often be quite different. So that meant that their... They were less protected in a way. 
but the advantage of that compared to the women was that they had a bit more freedom so they could move from farm to farm and there's certainly evidence that they did that uh, and they had that opportunity to um, socialise I guess with a, with a wider range of people. Um, the other thing I would say about the men is that they, very few of them, so Graham's plan for the men was that they would start as farm workers and they would build up to being farmers in their own right. So they would save enough money to purchase a farm and the reality was that actually wasn't possible and it wasn't desirable for a lot of these men who were very well educated. Um, so most of them actually ended up back in urban centres uh, in white collar work or having their own businesses. And the second photo for today's episode, um, there are many of the Kalimpong men and women at a get-together in Wellington. Can yes, that's right. So that? I love this photo, and this is one that a lot of descendants have in their collections. Uh, and it's great because it tells us a lot about the specific Kalimpong community that developed. So this photo was taken in 1937. Uh, it's a group photo of Dr Graham with a lot of the Kalimpong settlers in New Zealand uh, and also their employers. So this was taken at the time of John Graham's 1937 tour of New Zealand. So I mentioned in a previous episode that he came to New Zealand in 1909 to check Dunedin out and make sure that it was a, a good place for the Kalimpong people to be sent. So in 1937, uh, Graham is now 75 years old. Um, he's been running this institution for almost 40 years. Uh, he's been getting to know these young people at the homes in Kalimpong and sending them out, you know, group after group, sending them to New Zealand. So in 1937, he comes to New Zealand with two aims. So the first is to restart the scheme. So one of the things that happened with the onset of economic depression in the late 1920s was that Kalimpong, the New Zealand government stopped accepting groups from Kalimpong. So from 1929 uh, until 1937 there had been no groups coming from Kalimpong. So one of his aims was to um, meet with government officials to try to have the scheme restarted. And his second aim was to visit as many of his graduates that had been placed in New Zealand as he could. So by this time there were over 100 people who had been placed all over New Zealand uh, and he made it his aim to try and visit as many of them as he could. So it's a pretty amazing trip really. He was 75 years old, he had three weeks and he travelled from Auckland uh, all the way down the North Island, all the way down the South Island, as far south as Gore, and then all the way back up again. And so he went to considerable lengths to try and find um, all of those graduates. And he also had uh, these reunions at um, each of the main centres, uh, and uh, this is one of the photos of that. It seems like quite a public tour, which is interesting given the latest silences. Yes, exactly. So this was one of the things that uh, I was surprised to discover when I was doing the research for my PhD, is how public this tour was, because we think of this as... Um, 
you know, the scheme was characterised by these later silences and often we have speculated that perhaps these young people were told when they came to New Zealand that they should never talk about their background. And then along comes John Graham in 1937 and he did two broadcasts on national radio, so one at the start of his tour and one at the end of his tour. Uh, there were many newspaper articles about his visit, so he was very happy to do interviews about the scheme and about the young people. Uh, there are lots of photos of his tour. He had these get-togethers where um, he met employers of the Kalimpong people but also their friends and family. So there was um, certainly no sense of secrecy about the scheme at this time. And here he is in the midst of the people who were once at his school back in Kalimpong. That's right. So I think this photo shows really clearly why John Graham favoured New Zealand as a destination for the Kalimpong people. So it is, it's hard to imagine this photo being taken in Britain, for example, um, because we have uh, in the back row... Um, kind of disappearing down behind some tall men uh, <laughs> is Lady Janet Fraser, so the wow. wife of um, Prime Minister Peter Fraser, who was an employer of a Kalimpong woman, uh, and they were also um, involved in having the scheme restarted. Uh, we also see the Didsbury's, so Mr and Mrs Didsbury are both in the photo, uh, and this was quite a grand residence that they held the reunion in. So the Didsbury's were uh, a good example of that classic um, professional Presbyterian family who also employed a Kalimpong woman. Uh, and right at the centre we see John Graham uh, on his... Uh, so on the left uh, is Mary Octoloni, who was one of the early immigrants. So she came to New Zealand in 1912. So she would be reaching middle age by this time. And then we also see younger immigrants, so some of the more recent 1920s arrivals. Uh, and in the front row, some of the children of the Kalimpong immigrants. So when we look at this photo, we can think about... Um, how this community, this very particular community of people connected to Kalimpong formed uh, and they were um, a, good, a good support for each other. Do you think that shows that he achieved his aims? Yes, so I think that's a good question. So overall I think this does show um, perhaps why the Kalimpong people did well in New Zealand. So they did feel well supported um, and they were able to transition relatively smoothly into their local communities. Um, the, the two aims that I talked about earlier um, of restarting the scheme and visiting all of those graduates that had been placed in New Zealand um, were also achieved. Um, so Graham visited most of the graduates that were here uh, in 1937. Uh, the other great thing about his visit is that he kept two diaries, uh, one for the one to print in the school magazine and one for his family. And particularly in the family one, he recorded his assessments of how each of those graduates had fared in New Zealand. And so it comes through very clearly in that diary that what he was actually most concerned about was that they were contented and happy, that they had a nice family life uh, and that they had found um, employment and that they had done okay. So it gives us a really good snapshot of where most of the ones who were placed in New Zealand uh, were at in 1937. 
Now, as far as that other aim of restarting the scheme, that was also successful. So there was one more group that came into New Zealand in 1938, um, but then as it turned out, that was to be the final group that ever came into New Zealand. So to Graham's great disappointment, um, after that group arrived in 1938, uh, when he applied for a further group, uh, the government said uh, on uh, in very clear terms that there would be no more groups from Kalimpong accepted uh, and that was because they were of mixed race and mixed race people were not desirable migrants in New Zealand. So after all of the praise that John Graham had heaped on New Zealand over the years that they were taking people from Kalimpong, uh, he was very upset at the way that it ended. Uh, and so then John Graham actually died in 1942 uh, in Kalimpong and India gained independence from Britain in 1947, so there is a real sense of things closing off in that period. How did that affect those who were already in New Zealand? So yes, the ones who had been placed in New Zealand had always felt quite a strong connection to Kalimpong, so we know from their personal files that they had written back to uh, John Graham uh, and his secretary, uh, James Purdy, uh, very regularly. So I think there was a sense... When John Graham died, uh, India gained independence, so there was real uncertainty about the future of this institution in Kalimpong. And I think that this was part of the reason uh, that the Kalimpong people turned their attention to their future in New Zealand and really stopped talking about that Indian past. So when we think about why those later silences happened, I think we can look to... Um, the stigma and a sense of shame about their Indian heritage, um, but also these other factors that seem to have made India just not so relevant to their lives in New Zealand anymore. So many of the Kalimpong immigrants never spoke to their children uh, about their Indian background, and it seems that that was largely how the story was lost. In the next episode, we'll talk about how the story was rediscovered by descendants and the role that photographs have played in the sensitive process of looking into family history. You've been listening to the Kalimpong Kids podcast. To listen to other episodes in this series, please go to the Otago Access Radio website at www.oar.org.nz. If you would like to know more about the Kalimpong Kids, you can visit my website at www.kalimpongkids.org.nz. My new book is called Kalimpong Kids, The New Zealand Story in Pictures. It is available at all good bookstores or through the Otago University Press website. FM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.